0: Welcome to The Hype Within, exploring journeys of authentic leadership and growth. On the show, tech leaders will share their stories of developing their leadership skills and challenges they faced along the way. You'll learn about their approaches to self-reflection and personal growth and how they've been able to build a foundation of authenticity that has propelled them to success. I'm your host, Hannah Jakover, B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. Are you ready to get hyped up? Let's dive in. Hey, leaders, we are back with a very, very special guest that I'm excited to introduce you to today. And we have had the chance to work together in my position at Mad Kudu. And Sam Levan is the CEO and co-founder of Mad Kudu. And like I said, we had the opportunity or I had the opportunity to work with Sam. And I felt like your leadership style and just the way that you approach being a founder is a so authentic and be really effective and rare in this industry. So I'm really excited to have you on today and talk all about that. How are you?
1: doing fantastic. I think you're being nice, but I'm excited to be uh, chatting with you today for sure.
0: I would love if you could do a little intro of yourself and maybe also talk about your leadership style and how you view that.
1: All right. I'll uh, tell you a few things about myself. So the accent, for those who haven't guessed, uh, is from France. So I've been in the US for almost 15 years. You mentioned, I think, the co-founder and CEO part of my life, which is uh, one of my biggest hobbies. Also, I'm the father of four and plus one dog. So that's uh, keeps me busy on weekends and other personal stuff. I have developed an addiction recently to wing uh, So it's a uh, kind of a mix of uh, windsurfing, having a baby with a kite, kite surfing, and uh, a little bit of surfing. So a very fun thing to do on the weekends to, uh, to recharge.
0: That sounds amazing. Where do you do such a thing?
1: anywhere where there is wind. So mostly in the Bay Area. Uh, so in, I'm living in uh, South Bay of San Francisco, but it's an excuse to go anywhere where there is like water and wind together.
0: That's awesome. Is that the one where you're like kind of propped up a little bit on the water, on the board?
1: I know it looks a bit douchey, so it looks so tank bros <laughs> and like those kind of things, but the feeling is amazing. Like it's uh, like flying, so it's more like flying than surfing. I uh, heard 3D and yeah, you can't, you are like 100% in the moment. So that's a fun hobby to have.
0: It sounds fun. It sounds like an adrenaline rush. I love it. Okay. What about your leadership style? How would you define your leadership style?
1: Alright, have to tell you something about leadership because when I was younger, um, there was, for example, in, in college, like classes about leadership and for me, I was it felt like teaching leadership and learning about leadership was not being authentic because it felt a bit like manipulation or like, you know, you want to learn how people work and kind of find a way to uh, to make it work for you in some ways. But over the years, I think I've learned quite a lot. And I think leadership, there is a style, but also a skill set. So that's been a big topic for me, still carry a career student uh, on that. But if you ask about uh, leadership, I would say servant leadership is what I aspire To serving the people I'm working with and serving the mission as well. So it's kind of this combination of, at the end of the day, you know, life is very short. I don't care about many things, but purpose has a meaning. And I think I found a lot of purpose serving people. I find it fun. So it's very selfish. It's a selfish way to, to, uh, (laughs) selfish way because, sir, you know, serving people makes you happy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like when it's rooted in, I don't know, like joy and love and a purpose. It is self-serving, but it has like that bigger, the bigger purpose of it's also serving other people. So, but it is interesting when you talk about like learning about leadership and the classes, and there is an aspect of this feels like I'm learning about these things so I can manipulate people.
1: (laughs) Right, like the shit sandwich, and like how to have the tough conversation, Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I always felt that way about marketing too. But and now I'm learning a lot more about like brain-based methodologies and fascinating stuff, but same thing, you know, and it's just once you have that knowledge, how do you use it to honor other people and support them versus manipulating them?
1: <laughs> 100%. I think that's exactly right. It's a tool, but yeah, if you have the right intention and you're doing for the right thing, it's so critical because you can mess it up. Even with your best intention, if you don't have the skills, you will mess it up.
0: hmm hmm What do you think has been your greatest inspiration or influence?
1: Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a wild question. But I think like many, I mean, like everybody else, right? You, uh, you have a lot of guides on the way, so I have to, uh, to honor them. Maybe on the leadership side, I can tell you the story of uh, I had a student in construction, so I have a background in, like in data science and then applied you know, to business. But uh, I was rebellious when I was younger, and I spent two years actually like building stuff in construction, in the construction company, building roads and, and building highways. So uh, I uh, that would come in the morning and work with the uh, and, like we, we had almost like 100 workers, and you would like. Come in the morning at the uh, the workshop where we all like go to the different construction sites, and um, I remember like the the guy who was leading the entire like operation in that site. He was an old guy, very tough. Like he was not like he was very straight and direct. So you would think he was a tough person, but I remember I was very young in my career. That was one of my first jobs, and I was responsible for one of the construction sites. I had the team. And one person in the team was not working out, uh, not, like, not putting the effort, not trying, and I kind of sneaking around when you we know, retired, like, there, there was an opportunity. And he was asking me, hey, how is everything doing? How are how things are doing with the team? Any challenges or things okay, like, going on? And I say, hey, blah, blah, blah. But there is also like this person. I'm trying like, not to really be working out. And I remember like I had more of a mindset of judgment in a way like, hey, he's the problem, and this top guy. Instead of like dealing with, hey, he's the problem, and kind of uh, commiserating with me was more, wait, but why? So why he was asking me like why is it that way? Like he was really dealing with kindness and asking what is his perspective. his part of you, assuming the best of a person before assuming the worst. And for me, that 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 was a. I don't know. It's you know you have those things where you click. You say, "Hey, well, I'm looking at the world in a in, in a way that makes no sense." That view of the world is much better, and that was an inspiration to me. So uh, those years, like in construction in the construction business, I learned so much about leadership, maybe more than you know for the next twenty years.
0: I love that story. Yeah, like the assumption making. I feel like our assumption making can sometimes lead us into conflict, but then we also don't know how to deal or work through conflict effectively so it's like a really awful cycle that we go through but that's really powerful learning about just assumptions and intent
1: yeah yeah i think the uh, often think like most people are mostly good So, nobody's perfect. Everybody's probably like 90% great and 10% evil in some ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, But remembering that, you know, at the end of the day, even in the worst situations, people always have a lot of good in themselves. So, trying to find that out and yeah, and working it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you do on days where you wake up and you're like, like you're just in a shit mood, you know, like, and it's really hard to think through that lens? How do you pull yourself out of it to get into the choice of, I'm going to choose to think positively and see the good and assume good intent?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, few things that comes to mind. And by, by no mean, I think <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, waking up in a shitty mood and, <laughs> and seeing the world that way. And my wife says that she feels she's uh, married 20 people because I've uh, changed over time, right? But there are a few things, at least, that helps me be more the person I want to be than the person I don't want to be. And so it's, 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 I've been working out a lot on that side. And I'm not great, but I'm much better than what I was before, for sure. And I think a few things that I would highlight uh, on that side. One is, you know, there is this very morning that uh, people talk about. And that is, as a founder, I aiming. I I want to like best serve the company, my team, I also want to be a good father, a good son, a good friend. So it's a lot of conflicting priorities that you have. Mm-hmm. And like the miracle mornings have been excellent. So you know, it's really about what is your routine in the morning that you know get the best out of both of you. That I built over time. And one of the two, maybe like specifically, I think to uh, to to the conversation right now about how seeing the world in a positive and constructive way, there is this book I think from. name is katie byron i think so and it's like the four questions and that was something where it's kind of journaling but she has four questions like anything you're emotionally conflicted about and mostly when it's about relationship and people she has those things where you write first what's your gossiping mind think like put the worst on paper like oh i think you know he's uh, trying to uh, go behind my back and he's trying to do this in selfish way like the things that you barely like allow yourself to think and say go 100 almost push yourself to be like this bad person you know assuming the worst and you put it on paper and then the step number two is you ask yourself it is true and that's where like you step back and you're like some of it you're like still you're still emotionally attached to it. Like, oh yes, no, definitely he's going up there my vibe in a mean way. And then the next question is, is this really true? <laughs> That's where like you're like, ah, maybe I'm making some assumptions there, right? Like it really they're getting you away. And then there are like the, the two last questions are how does it that that thought makes me feel? And the last one is, who would I be without that thought? And this is a practice that has been very powerful. Uh, for me, I highly recommend uh, it, especially with relationships. That really helps seeing that whatever thought or assumptions you know I'm making, it's really based on storylines that when you look back at it, especially when it's on paper, you're like, oh, come on, that's you know you almost laugh at yourself in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm. That's an awesome routine. and we'll get the book in the show notes, a Miracle morning. And it's sort of like you create your own like cognitive behavioral therapy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It
0: works. It really works. I have a book called Let Forgiveness Set You Free. And it's very mm. similar where it's like prompts and journaling. And it is all about looking at these assumptions and these stories that we pretty much make up just based on our perception of things and moving through the process of yeah, like this is the story that I made up and then eventually landing at forgiveness of either for yourself or for whoever you've made the story up about. And yeah, I mean, it's a really healing process. It's, I think, such a catalyst for growth that more people should spend time on.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody have their tools and whatever works for them, but for sure, at least for me, it's been a fantastic tool. Yeah, I can see how it can be for you as well.
0: Yeah, I knew you would bring some good tools to the table because i know that you have always had really great rituals and you believe in rituals not only for your personal life but also at the company too what other rituals do you think are important you know aside you have the miracle morning but even thinking about like at the organization at mad kudu what rituals do you have in place to make sure that you stay grounded and there's balance there
1: mm, it's a good question yeah i am been in- Very much a student, but uh, maybe a few things that comes to mind where I do feel those rituals have been very positive for the company and for the team. One is around every Monday morning, we have our all-hands meeting with the company. And we always start with so kudos for for the team. And we have a Slack channel during the week where people uh, share almost every single day. Hey, thanks for this person for having done this and like showing up and recognizing when people do... Uh, that you know do things for the rest of the team, and you really see that channel is one of the most active channel we have on Slack. But still, on a Monday morning, we spend sometimes like ten minutes, sometimes fifteen minutes with the team sharing appreciation for each other for things that have been done. And I think that's that ritual has been very very positive, especially when it's more team with team. So it's not like, hey, you know, it's great to get appreciation from your manager, but it's different from its peers, even someone from a different team. And it really like makes you appreciate and realize, I think, the value of the work that you do. So that's one ritual, for example, in the company that I love. We've kept it for years and, you know, we've changed many, many things, but that one is always there.
0: That is one that I got to participate in and I loved it. It just... Yeah, you start your morning with gratitude. You start your week with gratitude. And some of the things surprise you too that come to you. And even if it's somebody else's kudu to not you, like you feel that gratitude towards that person as well. And like, it totally fills you up. I absolutely loved that ritual at Mad Kudu. One other thing that I think you and Francis developed that I thought was really fantastic was the use of a user manual and like kicking a relationship off with something like a user manual was really powerful. And it wasn't fluffy questions. I was used to seeing a user manual with like very fluffy questions about like, what are your top favorite foods? No, this was like, what are your deepest, darkest triggers?
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <No
0: sense. laughs>
1: They're like, oh, TMI. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, having something like that in place, how do you feel like it helps other people with balance and staying grounded?
1: Yeah, I try not to share too many embarrassing stories in a public way. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. It's, it's much easier to tell people about uh, how to work with you and your flaws and know how to work around that than to actually change yourself so (laughs) out of laziness i think you would rather like say hey okay that's um what to expect but also here's what other people misunderstand about what i'm trying to say or the web saying it or the way i work and it's amazing to see like how when people have that awareness a lot of those problems goes away so very specifically for example on my end Sometimes I can give you a download of ideas and things that come to mind. I'm really sharing that to you to give you context, but it may be confusing because you're like, is it? Is it giving me feedback? Is he trying to tell me to do something? Is he like, and I could try to be. To give more context, to like change the way I communicate and to change myself, which I am right. I'm, I'm trying, but it's much easier to give you that context so that when that happens, you're like, okay, I I know what's what's happening there, and you know he is who he is, but it works for me, all right So, I think that's user manual, in, in a way, it's a very lazy way to build great relationship without having to change yourself to
0: mm-hmm. I think even going through the process though of writing it, like I had to really think about. I remember doing it. I remember specifically like that process because it does activate some self-awareness and it creates this process where you have to do some reflection of, oh, like what is a trigger that I have at work that I haven't really communicated to anybody before? And if I did, how helpful would that be? How much easier would it be to build a relationship? So I do think it might be lazy, but it also does encourage Reflection and the awareness around the things that you may or may not decide to change, but at least now you can see them and you can talk about them with other people.
1: Totally, totally. I think sometimes if you have like a partner in your life, I think like she or he knows like all the triggers that you have. So, a good trick as well is to ask, Hey, I have this user manual to build. What are the things people should know about those triggers or working with me? And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, you, you can fight against it, but, you know, it is what it is. And and that's, yeah, it's not not a big deal. Nobody's perfect. And that's when you embrace that, I think that makes everything lighter.
0: One other thing that I noticed that you and Francis do that I feel like it's just picking up for a lot of people now, and this is more around balance and having control over your calendar. Like, you are so busy, you and Francis, I remember trying to go and book meetings on your calendar. <laughs> and I literally couldn't find any spots. And, but this is because Sam and Francis were so good at time blocking and they would time block. And at first I'm like, what the fuck is all of this? <laughs> and then I realized what it, what you were doing. And I'm like, that is so smart because you have time for lunch, you have bathroom breaks and water breaks and (laughs) you had like your focus hours and your focus days. It's one of the most effective things that I've implemented for myself and I just think that in terms of finding balance and using tools to do that like it's, it's an important lesson to learn. I'm curious if there's anything else that you do that is like that that you wish you had done sooner
1: yeah i think that you're touching on maybe the topic of overwhelmed i've been fighting overwhelmed for a long time i think i you know especially when you want to say yes to life yes to things yes to people uh, yes to opportunities and i feel like especially with time it's like a credit card where when you say yes to someone you're basically like buying something with your credit card and you're gonna pay later right, right. and with a credit card at some point it balances like you're like nope you have a credit limit i think you can quickly like put too many things on the credit card so that's uh, something i've been fighting with for for a long time so the time blocking is a must 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 and to be uh, quite extreme i've actually stopped like any to-do management systems like you know asana and uh, and for me it's pretty extreme because i'm you know i'm pretty structured and you know i've used almost like all of them to do is then you bounce from like to do management to do management but i feel those tools are. If for collaboration that's great if it's like to do's to collaborate with your team I'm using it just for that for that purpose like I need to work on something with a team we break it down in tasks and we assign to each other and we collaborate on the task yes but for my personal like daily planning or weekly planning, I don't want that because it's like making it very convenient to take more debt so you know burn the credit card if it doesn't fit on a just on a text file, and I need a system to organize like all my commitments. It means I have way too many commitments, and I need to think again as to what I'm committing to and why I'm committing to that. So, a forcing function for me uh, in addition of time blocking has been to have just one text file where I have all my commitments, and it's friction. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could solve them by X, Y, and d. but again, it's like, you know, it's on purpose because the uh, the root cause I think of of um, a lot of the overwhelm I was facing was not really like putting some friction into what you commit to. So maybe that's one thing uh, that's been quite helpful there.
0: Mm, Yeah, I feel like we want to create these to-do lists. It's almost like that like dopamine slot machine. Ding, ding, ding. When in reality, it's not healthy. It doesn't create balance. It, It creates, like you say, more credit card debt.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it never stops. And I think you're yeah, running all the thread and then you you never get it all done. So especially when you would like to get things like clothes, This is a very addictive, I think, <laughs> setup. It's almost you know when you gamble, by definition you uh, you will not stop because you don't have that closure. So similarly I think with those to do's you will work like too much. And even when you don't work on it, your mind is on it. So I, I feel like, yeah, getting rid of to-do lists, that would be something I'd love for lots of us to do and just keeping it very simple.
0: I also learned a lot around simplicity from you and picked that up when we worked together. And so when I was working at Mad kudu our VP of marketing, Laura Kendall, went on maternity leave. And so I got to work directly with Sam for, you know, a few months. And he essentially or constantly urged me and the team to work on less things, do less things. And I thought it was such a fantastic approach because in that we were able to create one of our most successful programs, Marketing Ops Confessions. And the only reason is because we were focusing so much on it. We were prioritizing it over everything else. And every time we had this meeting, you're like, okay, what are you not doing this week? (laughs) And so the ability of just focusing on that one really important thing or those one to two things and keeping it so simple, I think is is a skill for somebody that wasn't used to doing that, like playing that out and then actually seeing the result of that focus. And then you go back to doing too much and feeling that overwhelm and you have to kind of remind yourself like okay back to the one thing back to the the big problem that we're trying to solve but i appreciated that about you and um, that was a good lesson for me to learn
1: (laughs) in terms of leadership like for any leader and that's really i'm trying to practice this and it's not easy there is often this tendency to want to do more because we want to feel secure right it's not that we like to add more to a list it's not like we we uh, we like to, to 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 have longer days, but it takes a lot of courage to say, okay, I'm gonna do less, and but I'm gonna believe that this doing less is actually gonna get me to a good place. Mm-hmm. And I feel sometimes we we would want to add more because that's a way to feel better, to feel safer, to have more control, to feel like it will get us to a better place. But as a leader, and I think for all the leaders uh, out there. A lot of leaders, I think, add more to people's plate, and it's very, like, I think, a natural thing to do. So, I think practicing this: hey, as a leader, can you remove things from people's plate? Because often it's hard to do it when you are in this position. So, you want someone else to do it for you. I think it's much easier for someone outside of you help you out on that. And I think, mm-hmm. like, we can help each other on those things.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And I think it goes hand in hand with the concept at Mad Kudu that you and Francis use around having a big bet and really thinking through the lens of like, this is the one big thing that we're looking to solve or that we're we're really putting like all of our, a lot of our effort into. But like, I find that juxtaposition of like, this is how that kind of looks in a one-to-one format where you were encouraging me to focus on that one thing. But then as you zoom out for the collective organization, that one thing was aligned with our big bet for people that you know obviously aren't in Mad Kudu's culture. What is the concept of the big bet and how do you demonstrate that with the team or how do you encourage them to really kind of be aligned to a big bet?
1: Yeah, yeah. that's one I think I'll share maybe on on why like having this focus and one big bet at the company level or team level. It's, I think the alternatives don't work. So I wish you could have left like three or more, but I think I've tried it in the past, never worked. There is a fantastic book uh, that I think a lot of people know about, which is like good strategy, bad strategy. So very like highly recommended you when know, strategy has this kind of fluffy reputation, and that makes strategy really like, clear. But if you have a leadership role, I think what are you paid for, right? Like how do you add value? And it's you're not adding value by, just having like great ideas. And your team have better ideas than you do. They're like you know working the field. There are things things that you don't see. Uh, so the teams will have great ideas. But in a leadership position, I think one what you're paid for is really to make decisions and taking that chance, right? You know, and you are accountable of the end results. So you are the one that needs to make that bold decision. Uh, I think the the when you have this concept of one bet and there's one rock to move. Basically, you as a leader, it would feel a lot better to say, hey, let's do those three things, and you know, it would be better. But no, for the sake of the team and for the sake of the company, you have to take one thing that you believe strongly enough in that by just doing this one thing, it's going to move the company forward in a significant way. And on that piece, it's, it's pretty critical to differentiate, I think, running the business and moving the business. So I think some people have talked about that uh, uh, in the past. Where running the business is if you should keep doing what you're doing and maybe doing it a bit more. I mean you keep getting what you get and maybe a bit more. But if you want to build like a like to, to make a change in the world, build a company that you know, have an impact in a significant way, just doing more to get more doesn't work. So you really have to think and make the risks, like things make some bets in a way that is not linear. Where you're gonna do this, but it should pay off in a big way. If you don't do that, I mean, you know what you're gonna get, and that's not what you want. So it's a, it's a pretty obvious thing to do. But I think sometimes it feels safer to just say when well, brute force doesn't work, it's because we need to brute force it more.
0: I think it takes a really strong culture to have that really move down through the teams, right, and have everybody aligned to that. I feel like. That pushing forward and going all in on a big bet. Like, you really have to have that strong culture where the individuals actually display those values and beliefs. Mad Kudu, from an individual to a collective level, the culture is just very natural and very aligned with, you know, okay, here are our values and then here are the people that work for us. And they have those same values internally. What was your process in designing and fostering that culture?
1: By no means, I think we we, we got it all right. But uh, I've made mistakes in the past, I think, of what, how to not build a good culture. So I think that's where I realized the importance of that. And I think going back a bit to the rebellious time where for me, like core values, culture, those were like, I don't know, like poster on the wall. Like I saw so many companies talking about cultures and like it mean nothing, right? In some ways, like I felt it was disconnected from from what people were experiences. almost like a, people who joke about culture. But I I saw, I think, when uh, in my entrepreneurial journey, when you don't do it proactively and with intention, the impact it has as you scale and as you build teams. So right now I'm kind of switch my mind to a, to a very different place, I think more like, if you work on culture, you need to do it right. And there may be a few things that, that I think is very like practical and applicable for everyone. But one is, of course, putting it on paper for yourself at a minimum. If you, when you talk about culture, like I, I talk to other CEOs and founders, and like you know, we talk about cultures, what are your values? And they're like, they, they know two out of four. And they're like, you, know, you should be able to tell your values sleeping tired like drunk at any point right if you ask me i mean i can tell you it's going to be like the honey badger the authenticity the customer value with the life of learner right i don't even think about it it's just like uh, top of mind so there's a thing about like feeling it very deeply and a few things i think that's at least so far like i found to be critical is one hiring with like those values in mind and not as in terms of hey those are great values and you should like match those values but more hey here is who we are here is what we care about and some people like to sleep late Uh, some people like to wake up early and you know is one better than the other no it's just like you know if you are with someone who's gonna like dance till like or like make noise till like 2 a.m in the morning but then it's living with someone who wakes up at five it's it's, nothing is better it's just like it's difficult to work together uh, because you don't share those same values right like you don't appreciate you don't have a weird affinity to some things that are really important to you. So I think on the hiring side, we have a one call that's only about the culture, and it's really about uh, showing proactively like who we are, what we care about. And some people would say it's self-select, right? Some people would say, oh yeah, I care about those things. I love that you care about those things. And it's I'm joining not just for like you know the, the mission for this for that, but I'm joining because I want to work with people who care about some of those things that are important. We can be different in many ways. We don't think it impacts diversity, but those values are expressed outside. But I think that has been very important because most of the values or the way the culture is that at Kudu happen from the people at Kudu. and not it's not like who cares what we have a notion doc of course with like all the things stories and stuff like that. But I think it's the people themselves who made those values mean something.
0: Mm, I think that's really beautiful and potentially an overlooked process for a lot of companies, especially bigger companies, bigger organizations, because it gets challenging. Mad Kudu's grown over the last couple of years since I've been there. I think you said 50 employees now, 20 million raised last year. Very exciting. Has that changed your approach at all with the growth thinking about culture and values
1: yeah yeah maybe one thing i would mentioned in case it's helpful when you take a role in a company i often see candidates like not as so much about one culture and i think it's so critical like if i was to join an organization or when i people ask me like should i join this have this opportunity or not I would say that should be at least like thirty percent of your decision. So uh, making sure to ask the questions and not just, hey, what are your values? Because people okay, oh should he ask about values? Let me look at <laughs> let me look at the notion dog to find out what it was. But more hey, tell me stories like what does that mean? How do you lead those values yourself? How does that express themselves? And if you're not excited about two or three of those values, I would like that would be a red flag on on taking an opportunity. Because when there is this in values, I think it's you are more successful. You're happier. Your life has a lot more meaning, and our life and careers are sure so short. So, and um, just put a uh, little uh, note on that one, where sometimes, like, you know, ask candidates, do you have any questions? And not that many. And I think it's an important decision for you, right? Not not for, not for not only for the team at the company. In terms of scale and growth, on that one, I think there are yeah a few, few challenges. I think one is. Like many companies we've gone a hybrid. So um, we used to like be in one office, one office in Mountain View, California, one in Paris. So a lot of the values you could like have them more organic. And as we moved with COVID to a hybrid setup, it wasn't as organic as it used to be. And we also hired quite a lot of folks. So those values, you making them live like require a thing an extra and more rituals and extra extra activities. So one of the things I think that we've implemented recently is more in the kudos, like in the kudos. Yeah, it was a kudos. So sorry for us. People are, it's, uh, it's not just the French accent on that one, like kudos and mad kudos. So we, we use them uh, for the same thing. But for the kudos, naming the value uh, has been pretty powerful. Hey, here's like what and how badger, you know, uh, here is what. Maggie did last week, and I appreciate that. So the naming of the values when you share appreciation, I think, has been a powerful tool, especially for new people joining uh, us on that. And then on the hybrid setup, also on the quarterly review, we have a section where we look at the values. And again, you're not will never for someone like to. You have to feel that way about that thing. But it's more of a reminder and just sharing like uh, appreciation. Hey, here when you did this quarter, like that was really like in line with 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 uh, with those values. So having that part of the conversation where it's not just about growth and performance, but it's about also what you care about. So those are things we we're implementing now to scale a little bit more as we grow.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's it helps. I feel like just kind of make it this living and breathing thing that helps the company operate and it is in everybody. And it's more about like how you do things versus what you do.
1: Exactly, yep, yep.
0: Love it. Okay, so I wanna talk a little bit about you and Francis. I mean, you and Francis have been working together for a really long time. I feel like you have a great co-founder relationship, you have a great friendship. How do you balance leadership responsibilities and maintaining a healthy partnership with Francis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my wife is jealous of uh, my relationship with Francis, and uh, I'm hoping his wife too. <laughs> I think that's an interesting relationship because if it's just like a, a leadership team, I think it's like purely professional, so you don't have that friendship in addition of it. But I'll tell you, I think, maybe a few things on what worked for us and what maybe did not work so much. I feel the um, the few activities that that helped us on over the years. Right, I've been working with Francis for almost 15 years now, so I met with but also in in our prior company. And there is something about shared values. So I think that's you know especially if you choose like your co-founders or you choose your team, that's also one again one more set of very important questions like about knowing yourself and making sure you share at least three. Out of four, three out of five, because over like any disagreement, if you care about the same fundamentals, everything else is detailed and can be like, you know, you can disagree and commit, but at least the values are on this foundation. And for Francis, I think that's that's been very, very helpful through the years. The thing I think that has been critical, I think, for our relationship has been every single week, <laughs> uh, we have actually like two and a half hours in the calendar. As a work session, and that time, so we work on like more operational topics and actually get work done. But it's also that time where we can really align and making sure that the visions that we have, we keep this alignment uh, in place. So when we don't do that over like a week or two or three weeks because of traveling, for example, you can feel that the relationship is not the same because you start like drifting away, right, in very like subtle ways. So it's not obvious but then when you have this lack of alignment then you know i can tell what francis is thinking before he speaks and the other way around because we have those sessions over the years so i feel that investment i think is looks like a big commitment but it does pay off so it's a lot of people and myself included. we have our weekly date uh, with my wife it looks a bit like a hey, wait you have like a process you have your calendar and stuff like that but i've been married for like 21 years and uh, I mean, one, she's very patient, but two, I think having that connection every single like week. And we don't talk about work, about kids, about politics. It's really like being with that person and understanding that person. So that investment, I think, is pretty cool in the relationship, especially with a co-father.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with anybody. And everything that you have been talking about, I feel like comes back to making the time to do these things and be present in them. Like making the time to have that meeting with Francis every single week and being present, making the time for like the weekly date, making the time for talking about values. That's a really good underlying lesson. You know, you have so much going on all the time, but if you don't make the time for these really important things that have to do with building relationships, then, you know, what's the point?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, they're very true. I think time blocking helps a lot because that's that's part of, you know, you know that it happens on the time at the same place. And I think when you don't do it, you see that it doesn't work. So I, I, sometimes I'm jealous of people who don't need all those rituals and routines and they don't have a miracle morning and they aren't doing great. I'm like, that's awesome for you. But I know that if I don't, then my life is miserable. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I Same here. I have some rituals around meditation and writing and things that just help me tap in a little bit. So you can be present. You can make the time, but I do look over and I'm like, gosh, I wish I was asleep still. And I didn't care about these things because life was a lot easier.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, maybe train drugs i'm not into drugs but sometimes there is a magic pill let me know yep
0: <laughs> maybe we can have another episode on that one <laughs> <laughs> two last questions the first one this one's a hard one but i think you'll have a good answer what do you want to be known for as a leader
1: no all right that'd be a bit contrarian but uh... <laughs> <laughs> In a way, I don't want to be remembered, or I don't really care, and because I want the the company to be known, the impact we had on the market to be known, the impact of the team, and I feel like yeah, sometimes I'm maybe too much from the back, but I um, yeah, I, I want the, the the work and the growth of my people to be remembered. So that's a bit cheesy. I know you may say hey, part of me. Yes, of course, I have an ego and I care, but that's that would be. Yeah. That's what comes to mind, at least on, on the question.
0: We're okay with a little bit of cheese. Cause I like it, <laughs> <It's> Great, <laughs> but it just, I think showcases again, like your leadership style and how you're just empowering the team and serving the team to get to that result and they'll remember you, right? I remember, even if that's your approach you don't really want to be known but you'll have such a big deep impact i think with that mindset because you are really truly there for other people is there anything else that you would recommend for those that are in this environment maybe emerging execs looking to enhance their personal and professional growth
1: one thing that comes to mind is uh, reading a lot and i think reading is such a powerful i think magic power Navad Ravikant I think it has a there is the uh, almanac uh, of uh, Navad Ravikant he has like a big section about why like reading is so critical and I think he shared some very good advice as to how to build that skill and I think some a few things that were pretty contrarian such as you know don't read a book uh, cover to cover like if something is not interesting to you stop reading you're just hurting yourself wasting your time so there are like skill set I think around reading uh, but there are so many like smart people around us that have gone through so many things they take the time to write books to describe that and I found like so much growth in making time for reading but indeed, I think it was not a you try this the first time and're like oh it doesn't work for me and but maybe it's also you not you don't, you haven't found a way to make it work for you so I recommend highly I think the Nevadaant the uh, that section of his book so don't read it cover to cover following his advice but I think following the, uh, the the section about reading is very interesting
0: yes I would agree that's a great book he's a great follow too if you just want little snippets on Twitter or I guess it's threads now we're into threads instead of Twitter but wherever you are
1: <laughs> soon the Apple VR yep
0: <laughs> well I so appreciate you joining I love conversations with you always and I know you don't want to be known as a leader but like i said i think that your approach naturally impacts other people so i'm just excited to showcase that so other leaders can learn and grow and yeah i appreciate you so thank you
1: and likewise that's been very fun
0: thanks for tuning in to this week's episode I hope you walk away with something empowering that you can take into your own leadership journey. Are you a high performing executive looking to take your career to the next level? Or maybe you're an emerging leader who wants to develop the skills you need to advance in your role and show up authentically. Or maybe you're experiencing burnout and struggling to find a better work-life balance. Whatever your situation is, one-on-one coaching can help you achieve your personal and professional goals if you're interested in experiencing the power of coaching for yourself head on over to hypehousecoaching.com backslash start coaching now where you can set up a one-on-one leadership and executive coaching intro session for free remember the only hype that really matters is the hype within